This is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. Ghostwriting. In some writing circles, it's a dirty word. Often, the perception is if you have a ghostwriter, someone to help you write the book, then you're not really an author. That the ghost conjures the ideas, writes the ideas, and poof, there's a book. The truth is, ghostwriting is a collaborative process between the ghost and the author. Ghostwriting helps many authors clarify their ideas and get through the rough draft and get their ideas on paper. Without a ghostwriter, for many people, the book would never get written. Today, we are going to discuss what exactly ghostwriting is, who it's for, and what you can't expect from a ghostwriter. Dave, you and I both have done a lot of ghostwriting in our lives, and the big question is, how does it work? Followed by, aren't you angry you don't get credit for writing the book? We'll talk about that question later, but first, what do you say to the first question? How does ghostwriting work? This reminds me, one of my first writing gigs was writing or ghostwriting a chapter for an author in a book series. And I was living in Colorado at the time, and I was so scared. I had written a book review for this publication called Leadership Journal, and they said, hey, we really like that, uh, we really like that book review. Would you ghostwrite this chapter for this book that we're working on with this author? And I was so afraid because I had wanted to get into writing, but once I got the job, I was like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to do this. So I worked, I probably, you know, if, you're, if I was supposed to put in 30 hours for this, for this chapter, I probably put in 100, right? What but, was the big fear? Just proving yourself, or was it getting the voice right? Or You know, that is a good question. I wish it had been about getting the voice right, which we're going to talk about. I think I was so worried about just writing down something that was really good to read. In other words, a compelling read. And were you an expert in the topic? I think when I write for someone, when I'm a ghostwriter for someone, it's always I'm not the native expert on the topic, and so... You want to be the expert or sound like the expert when you're writing it for someone else. I wasn't a native expert on that. And so that is what makes ghostwriting difficult. And the good ghostwriters, uh, the good ghostwriters know that and will do the research and, and figure that piece out. Sometimes the best ghostwriter may not be somebody in your industry simply because they won't use the jargon and they are curious and they will ask you the good questions. But back to your question. How does ghostwriting work? So ghostwriting really is an accepted practice in publishing. And, and many authors that you would recognize don't actually do the writing of their books. Some of the best sellers, certainly some of the best, let's say political bestsellers, are not written by the author himself or herself. A good example of that would be President Trump's book, The Art of the Deal, which was ghostwritten by Tony Swartz, who founded uh, the Energy Project. And if you ever go to Tony's Twitter 
feed, you'll, he'll see a lot of regret that he has about doing that book. But he was the ghostwriter for President Trump's book. Can you imagine if President Trump wrote a book, how many times you'd have to delete the word, really? <laughs> <laughs> we need a good developmental edit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so ghostwriting is perfectly legitimate. And if you've never done it before, you might think, oh, you know, should I do this? But it, it's totally, it's totally legitimate with some caveats, which we'll talk about. And let's just, let's just say up front, some people think better when they are talking than they do when they're writing. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And so if you're like that, sometimes professionals, you have all this stuff in your head, you're expert at all this stuff, and you can do PowerPoint presentations but a PowerPoint presentation is not a book. So that is, you have great ideas and they become even greater when you are in conversation with the person who can ask you a follow-up question. So it's often the follow-up questions that reveal that you may need a ghostwriter to help tease that out. So ghostwriting is, is a perfectly legitimate uh, function and many, many authors, you'd be surprised, use a ghostwriter. So let's discuss a little bit the relationship between a ghostwriter and the author and and can you explain when a ghostwriting relationship is a bad one that is a great question i think you know it's a bad relationship when you hire a ghostwriter and he or she cannot tease out your best thinking and that's a basic skill that a ghostwriter needs to have you might think it's the writing First of all, it's someone who can tease out your thinking. I know that when we work with authors and ghostwrite, we often have these aha moments where the author in an interview says, aha, like they would have never come to that on their own had we not been asking them the questions. And I think that's a real gift of a ghostwriter. It is. That is a really great point. Your ghostwriter needs to be able to create those aha moments in the conversation. So for example, what often happens with ghostwriting is, let's say you have a topic, you hire a ghostwriter, he or she helps you with the book thesis, helps structure the book, and then he or she interviews you for each chapter. Now you have other research, it's not that you don't have other research, but a lot of the best content's going to come from that interview. If you come out of those interviews and you've not grown in your thinking and advanced in your thinking, that relationship may not be a great relationship because he or she is not doing the curious work of asking good follow-up questions. The aha stuff. So besides the skill of being a good interviewer, what else makes for a good ghostwriter? How do you vet them? Oh my gosh, that's hard. And uh, I would say in addition to being a good interviewer, he or she needs to be able to capture your voice. I remember one author in particular from my years in magazine editing that I struggled to capture his voice. It was miserable and he was a board member for the publishing company <laughs> and so he did writing and so somehow his work was bounced to me and I struggled to capture his voice. But that is the job of the writer. And I think as much as possible, the language you use, the cadence that you use, even though you might be speaking it into a microphone that then gets transcribed, that then ends up in a chapter, even though you're doing that, that writer needs to be able to listen to that and match 
his words, that he's providing you with that cadence and with that voice. So how do you know if your voice is not correct? Every author that I've ever worked with, I'm sure that every author you've worked with, he or she is shocked when they get that first draft. They're like, what? Let's say it's the first chapter of the book. Sometimes we're lucky and they say, you make us sound smarter than we really are. That's true. And that when that happens, you're like, hoofda, right? But often there's just shock because they're reading and that reading creates a voice in their head that doesn't match how they perceive themselves to write. And that's just hard. And what we always say is there's going to be a physical reaction, so get over it, right? It's all going to feel wrong. And, and you tend to, and you, the author, will tend to focus on what's wrong. You know, you would say, oh, I would never say that or this or that. But you need to sit with it, right? You need to immerse yourself in it. Let your spouse read it. Let your significant other read it. Let a colleague at work read it. Often you're, you will hear from them, you know what? That is exactly how you would say it. And so you want someone who can capture your voice. Maybe not immediately. It might be that that first draft needs a few revisions and you need to be very specific about what's not working. If you say, oh, it's just not working. I just, uh, it's not me. That is not helpful. That means you don't know what you are and what your voice is. Right, and there's often that magical moment in the book writing process where the ghostwriter and the author sync up almost completely with voice because you've got a few chapters underneath your belt, so you really have to stick it out through those first couple of chapters where you're trying to set that precedence for the voice in the rest of the book. That's right. It is a, it is a continual learning process, meaning from the first chapter to the end. And so you're right. As those chapters progress, they should become easier and easier in some sense. So in our experience with ghostwriting, the best pieces are those in which the author spends as much time on the book as we do, meaning they don't just take our words and give their stamp of approval. They actually engage it. They own it. What does it look like when a writer owns what the ghostwriter has written? That is a great point. I think owning it is a great phrase because if you end up with a ghostwriter and it's not working, typically there are two possible reasons. One is you're not engaging the content. You have this idea that somehow this, off, this ghostwriter should just get it right the first time and it should be perfect. If that's true, you're going to be greatly and greatly disappointed. And then, honestly, I don't think you should put your name to the book, right? I mean, right, I, right. I, I mean, if you're not willing to do that as an author to really engage the copy, often what works best for us is that when you and I work with an author, we'll put together a skeletal chapter. I mean, it's... It's written, and it's got chapters, it's got stories, it's got flow, it's got structure, but our expectation is that you, the author, are going to go into that and add stories, delete stories, and take out words. You have to own that process. You just have to own that process. Because actually reading a chapter will trigger new ideas that perhaps you just now are coming to think of. That's right. And you need to add those, and that's where sometimes the best thinking happens. And we've worked with many authors, ghostwriting, and there was one incident where we worked with the author, and he barely engaged the writing. And it was really frustrating for us as ghostwriters because we want 
the author to own it. Isn't that true? You want a ghostwriter who wants you to own it. There's nothing worse than that situation because you get the book done and you're thinking, really? Everything we, we wrote was, was correct? That's a problem because that's not how great writing happens. And it's not how the creative process works. There's changes, revisions. And so I remember that, that project that you're talking about, and this was with a major publisher. And even the, you know, the book was due, let's say, on the 30th of July. And it, it wasn't until the very first of the month that he had actually even looked at the book. And I was so concerned because there needed to be some changes. So you have to engage. If you're going to hire someone to help you ghostwrite, your head has to be in the game. Absolutely, because for one reason, if you are interviewed on the book after it's published, you have to be able to stand behind every word that is written. And if you don't know what's written, how can you do that? Well, the, the other extreme would be if you, you can't let go of, of it, right? That would be the opposite problem. Where One side of it is, is the author doesn't engage at all with the ghostwriter. The other would be he or she is hovering over the writer and it ends up being this just horrible experience for the ghostwriter. Right, right. And 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 at the end of the day, you hire a ghostwriter, it's a it has to be a dynamic relationship of trust. And if you can't get there, you need to find someone else or not do it or do it yourself. So what is the mindset of someone who is thinking of hiring a ghostwriter? Where are they at in the book writing process generally and why is this even coming to their mind as an option? Well, often uh, professionals especially, no matter what your space is, whether it's wealth management or whether it's uh, you're a lawyer or whether you're a professional of some other kind, often you see this with doctors. They have a career in a certain area and they have this expertise and they really want to tell their story. And, and so they're too busy. So often the subject of of ghostwriting comes up because someone has said you got a book in you and or else it's been in their head for a while his or her head and and so but they're too busy to do it right or they don't know how to do it and so to sit down and to learn the process of writing let's say you're 50 years old might seem overwhelming and you might say you know what I have great ideas I really want to hire someone who can tease these ideas out for me over time that's one one part of that. Another is, I alluded to this earlier, but some people are better talkers. And when they talk, their ideas formulate. Some people do that when they write. Some people can do both, right? Those are the ultra, ultra gifted. I can't do that. I do better when I'm writing. Simply, that's how I think. And wouldn't you say the more literary you are, the less likely you are to hire a ghostwriter? I think that's true. That's a very interesting insight. If you're not a reader or you read, um, the type of material that you read tends to be not as uh, more literary. literary. Yeah. You will probably say, you know, I need to hire somebody who, who is more like that to create a partnership and help me ghostwrite. And that is not a dig at all to somebody who is like that. It just has to do with your often your time of life or maybe your own proclivities. Right. There are some people who love words, like you and I, we love words, and it might, part of the joy of writing the book is actually choosing those words. And there are some people that delight in the actual art of writing. And lots of people who have ghostwriters don't necessarily delight in the act of writing. Would you say that's Absolutely. true? Absolutely. And I think that's 
completely legitimate if you don't delight in the act of writing, but you still want to write a book, you still, as we've said, need to delight in the act of editing, right? And to engaging that once that first draft is laid down. I like that delight in the engagement. <laughs> that's right. Right. That, that's right. And that and the, the best relationships that we've had through the years, and we've had a lot of friends who've done ghostwriting, it comes from this dynamic. There's a really intimacy that comes between the writer and the ghostwriter, right. the you, author and the ghostwriter. Even go on vacation with them, right, Dave? Yeah. Well, you have a couple <laughs> stories there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We'll leave that for another time. Worst ghostwriting experiences and best ghostwriting experiences. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of authors struggle with credibility when they hire ghostwriters. They fear that if people knew they hired a ghostwriter, then they wouldn't be taken seriously. What would you say to someone with that fear? I think it's a legit fear, and I think we all feel like a fraud if that's what we're doing. Like maybe we're not really an author. and You have to work through it. Uh, I do think you do need to recognize that ghost writing is legitimate. It is legitimate. It's been done for, for years and years and years, for centuries and centuries and centuries, for eons and eons and eons. So it, just to come to terms with that, it, if sometimes you need to hire a ghostwriter, and you should feel comfortable with that or begin to feel comfortable. Another is to make sure you're engaged. We've, we've said this several times throughout this episode. You know, if you're actually engaged in the process, editing, making changes and not expecting the ghostwriter to get it perfect. It's your job to get it perfect, and that will alleviate some of that emotion, right? Because you are engaged in the process, though you're owning the ideas, and that, that makes a great partnership with, an, with, an, with the writer. Uh, the third point, hey, and this is really important, is to give credit where credit is due. Sometimes you find the people who use ghostwriters never want to even tip their hat to them in the introduction or the foreword, and that's because they're so insecure because they didn't really do the hard work, right? So sometimes ghostwriters are credited with a byline. So it's, for example, it'd be Dave Getz with. with Melissa Parks, right? And so Melissa Parks is the ghostwriter you've never heard of. Some people really feel strongly about that, that they want to recognize the ghostwriter. Other times they will recognize them in the foreword. I think you should recognize them, right? Even if it's just for their editorial guidance, even that's if you right. don't say for ghostwriting. That's right. Th that's exactly right. You can say, listen, I'm so grateful to Melissa Parks for her help in, in guiding the editorial direction of the book and her editing and her insight and whatever. Give credit where credit is due. For Pete's sake, if you can't do that, I don't think you should be. I mean, honestly, you have no business putting your name to a book. <laughs> we'll see if we anger anybody with that one. <laughs> so I'm sure many people are wondering at this point, so how do you go about finding a ghostwriter and how do you know if it will be a good fit? Today, all you have to do is Google the phrase, how do I find a freelance writer for my book? And right. you'll and pull up Fiverr. F-I-V-E-R-R, -R, I think is, is it. Is that how you spell it? Yeah. Just Google that and you'll find, you know, it's, it's basically one of those shops where they, they have a pool of freelance writers. In fact, uh, somebody recently reached out to me, uh, was a client for this other business that we have, and he said he wanted to write a book, and, and, and he said, well, I, I've got a ghostwriter, a writer helping me from Fiverr. He found somebody from Fiverr, really liked that person, and 
and so that he used that. You know, I still think that the best ghostwriters are people that come through referral. Right? And they're busy. And they're busy. They, they may not be able to get to your book. And I want to add they're expensive. If they're good, they're going to be probably pretty expensive or more than you likely think they're going to be. Here's the worst person to work on your book. It's your best buddy's daughter who just has a graduate degree in English and is needs some work for the summer, right? That, that's a problem. Right, because what experience does she have writing a book? I remember years ago we had a client that wanted to write a book, and this was for my other business, so uh, we didn't even engage them on book writing at that point. And they had hired somebody from a well-known university, and if I said the name of the university, and he said, oh yeah, we're working on this book project, and she is here, she just graduated from so-and-so big-name university, and she's so smart, oh my God, you know, and, and, I, and I, I just thought to myself, she has no book writing experience. Book Talk writing. to me in six months, and sure enough, she eventually left the firm, and they never got the book published. Right, because book writing is fundamentally different than writing an article for your PhD. That's right. Or copywriting. Or copywriting. Or from writing a white paper. Or an article. Or a blog. Anybody can throw together a blog for 600 words. A book is unique. And you need someone who has that experience. So I would say uh, if you are in a college town or near a college town, I would talk to some of the writing professors at the university and, and talk about some recent graduates who might be doing freelance work. But you need to have somebody with experience. In book writing. In book writing. Right. That's I can't right. emphasize that enough. One final question, and that is, how much can one expect to spend on ghostwriting? Is there a range? I mean, I, I know the upper range. We've come across some people who've hired people for hundreds of thousands of dollars to finish a book. It is a big range. And I think one of the things, are you asking that person to start from zero Meaning, are you asking that person to identify your thesis, to help you structure the book, to help lay out everything before the writing begins? That's a lot of work, right? If you're asking, that, that, that is a whole project in and of itself. We call that jumpstart, right? Which is somebody has a basic idea, they don't know what it is quite, and then at the end of the process, they end up with a thesis, a book proposal, organized chapters, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I would say that... Uh, that what you don't want to do is to do something by the hour, right? You want to have a fixed rate. And I would say, you know, if you think about a chat, let's say your book has 10 chapters. That's kind of a cliche. You know, you might have 20 short chapters. But let's just say you have 10 chapters, 2,500 words to 4,000 words a chapter. You can expect to pay anywhere from $3,500 a chapter to six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand a chapter, depending on the research, right? Well, what are you asking that writer to do? Obviously, there's the interview with you, but is there other research? A good ghostwriter will be doing other research. And obviously, a ghostwriter with more experience, more clout in the industry will be much more expensive. That's right. So it, it's a huge range. And, and so what you're looking for is value and a good fit. Absolutely. So when I tell people that I ghostwrite, um, the big question always is, aren't you offended when you aren't mentioned as the author, the whole Dave, Dave Parks with Melissa Parks? 
and I'm never offended. And the primary reason is that they're not my ideas. They're the author's ideas. What about you, Dave? How would you answer that question? Are I, you offended? Never. I agree 100%. I, I, I do my own writing. I do not need credit with someone else. I just don't. It's, it's, I have more ideas than I can shake it. You know, use the cliche. Remember the old cliche, shake a stick at? Oh, that's an old cliche. I haven't heard that one in a long time. So I have more ideas than you can shake a stick at. And I love to write. So I don't need personally for my name to be anywhere in that book. Right. So just to go back, when we say mention the authors in the foreword or on the cover, that's not for us as the authors, the ghost writers. It's for the author. That's right. That is exactly right. That's for the author to be straight up with his or her readers. So they feel more credible. That's right. Yep. That's absolutely right. Well, that wraps up another episode of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write. 